Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Jesse Jackson here, and I'm announcing a contest. Starting now through the end of February, all you have to do to win a copy of Nikki Germain's Springsteen at Liberty Hall is to go to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Hopefully a good one. I would love nothing but five stars in a three or four sentence review about why you love the podcast and why other people should listen to the podcast. Once you post it, send me a screenshot of your review. Email it to setlustingbruce at gmail.com and everyone who submits that a review, a screenshot of that review will be entered into a drawing to win Nikki's book. If you include your mailing address, I will send you a Set Lusting Bruce sticker as a way of saying thank you. So that's all it needs. Go iTunes, rate and review the show, make a screenshot, email it, setlustingbruce at gmail.com, and who knows, you might be enjoying this wonderful book absolutely free and now let's get the show going i just love the recording studio as a playground so much and i love writing music because you you start like with nothing and in the end you have something like a little world sure but i love to perform too and okay. I, I i do it sometimes i also used to take the Muscle Shoals session players out around the world and play with them and mm-hmm. eventually became the band leader. And I think in very many ways, Stevie Van Sand is maybe a role model, not like that conscious, but like what all he did is what I do in my world too. I produce, I arrange, I write, I play. I don't front the band. I don't really do that. I go out and do songwriter shows sometimes, but but I love it.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Today, we are talking a little Bruce, but we're also talking about Nashville, Tennessee, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and a podcaster, Andreas. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I look forward to it. Yeah, the moment I saw Muscle Shoals, Alabama, I thought of Jason Isbell and his his family background there. Yeah, it's for me, it's, it was like what predated Jason even more, which is the music recorded there in the 60s and 70s, especially, which kind of Jason and some of his contemporaries, Patterson Hood, who was in the drive-by truckers with him, they came out of that. I worked with Patterson's dad, David Hood, who's the original bass player all the time in the recording studio. And I've worked with Jason too, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's my world for better or worse. No, that's a great world. I I love that. And so tell us a little about yourself. I grew up in Switzerland, uh, fell in love with American roots music of all kinds. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later because that's the Springsteen universe. It's very much the same. Yeah. And then I, I eventually moved to the U.S. to produce records, write music, play, and now also compose for visual, so for uh, movies and TV. And uh, yeah, it's all, I don't know, in a way, a little bit of a dream con- come true for me. And I sometimes I count my blessings a lot that I get to do what I love to do. Yeah. I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me, you mentioned growing up in... Switzerland, what kind of music were you and your family listening to when you were younger? My family was not very musical, I must say. There was not a whole lot of music in the house, so I had to seek it out, especially when I became a teenager. And I think in the beginning, it was like what everybody listened to my age. I was born in 81, so I started listening maybe in 92, 91. And then it was like a lot of like harder rock and roll, Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith and ACDC and Bon Jovi. And funny enough, that got me into Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes even before Bruce, which I think is a backdoor for most people. Yeah, I but think so. That That's Better, Better Days album where Bruce was on. He contributed a song. He sang on it. And I think at the same time, there must have been maybe 93, 94 Streets of Philadelphia was an MTV, and then the, the Hungry Heart remake with Wolfgang Niedek and that video when the Greatest Hits record came out. I think that was my entry point. That, I Tell me a little bit more of how did you find Southside, what about him spoke to you, and how did that lead to Bruce? Yeah, it was... I think it was the Bon Jovi connection because I was just a, a teenager and I not I didn't quite follow that path, but that turned me on to that Better Days album because yeah. that Bon Jovi sings on it too. And then I just fell in love. It's still one of my favorite records because also the music that I do is very much like that rock and soul thing that Stevie... Van Sand always talks about and that was the street band too it's like a rock and roll band that plays soul music and usually has a horn section 
I think that's how it happened. And then Bruce sang on it. And then I remember another record. It was an Elliot Murphy record. And, and Bruce sang on that too. It's everything I do leads me back to you. And <laughs> it's funny. And then I really got into Bruce's stuff around the time. I think the Greatest Hits record came out. And I can't really explain it. It's like when you're super into music, you go down rabbit holes. And one rabbit hole led me to Bruce. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit growing up. Did you know you always wanted to make music? What did you, did you pick up an instrument? What, tell me a little bit about how you started creating music. Yeah. Looking back, it looked like it might've been all well thought out. I I didn't quite feel like it when I was little. I started playing, getting guitar, classical guitar lessons. And I really didn't connect with the teacher or the way it was taught. And I almost abandoned it completely because I thought I could play songs, but there was like scales. And for me, I don't know how old I was, maybe seven. It just didn't connect. And then I, in like public school, I got to play a little bit of ukulele. And then from there, I found my way back to the guitar and the electric guitar. But it was always just a hobby. And then I started playing in bands and started writing songs for the band, started producing records for the band and just gradually happened. I guess that's like the condensed version anyway. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Andreas did you, and, and that America, that American roots, that soul, that stacks was always something that spoke to you. In the beginning, it was also like the Bruce story, maybe Aerosmith covered a blues song. Right. And then, oh, this is great. Or the Rolling Stones. And it might have been next. But then the Rolling Stones did a lot of Chuck Berry and did a lot of Solomon Burke on their early records. And then I started playing the guitar and that kind of got me into blues and jazz. And so it, it, it was an evolution. It's, but it, as in Bruce's case, like the, the old school soul music also started as a rabbit hole, but then it became the, the universe for me. Yeah. Did I, I think that's interesting, right? That I know that is a similar story that people hear the cover version, then you want to go hear the original. Then you want to hear, okay, I got another cover that doing that. I feel the same way sometimes about writing. Like I'll read a book and they'll mention another writer in the book and I'll go, oh, I wonder what that is. So you'll make a note and check that out. But yeah. How did you get from being fan to being in the business to making this your career? Yeah, that's probably the hardest question for me to ask. Somehow along the line, I got, I met a lot of my heroes. Oh, that's awesome. Like I met David Hood is one of them and other musicians and songwriters associated with the heyday of Muscle Shoals music and some in Nashville. And they just took me under their wing because I think in the beginning, they, I was just like this exotic person just being super interested in what they do and also super knowledgeable because I like, all I had from like across the pond was like liner notes of records, a few books, that was even before all these music documentaries came out. There were not that very many. So you really had to dig 
And I dug because I, I just loved it more than anything else. And I think that was my foot in the door. But then I guess you, you have to prove yourself along the way still. But that yeah. was like, I just, all my heroes became my mentors and became my friends and became my collaborators. So they just sucked me in. And before I always thought of it as almost like a really serious hobby, but that made meeting all these people and working with them made it super attainable after a while. Mm -hmm. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're gonna ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Did, when did you, and maybe often I've been told if you don't manage your career, manages you. And I am guilty of that. I have been really bad at managing my career over the years. Was this kind of, was there a point when you realized you really enjoyed being behind the scenes as an engineer or producer versus more than being the front person and making music? Or was it just that happened? That's probably, I just love the recording studio as a playground so much. And I love writing music because you, you start like with nothing. And in the end, you have something like a little world. Sure. But I love to perform too. 
and okay. I, I I do it sometimes. I also used to take the Muscle Shoals session players out around the world and play with them, and mm -hmm. eventually became the band leader. And I think in very many ways, Stevie Van Sand is maybe a role model, not like that conscious, but like what all he did is what I do in my world too. I produce, I arrange, I write, I play. I don't front a band. I don't really do that. I go out and do songwriter shows sometimes, but but I love it all. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about Little Steven maybe being a subconscious influence because I just watched, as we're recording this, it's November. This episode probably won't come out till January. I'm trying to yeah, get some 60 ahead. 60 Minutes. Yes. He was on 60 Minutes. And yeah. he talked about that he liked being the guy next to the guy, right? That's my words, not him. I remember once West Wing, they said, I don't want to be the man. I want to be the man that the man counts on, not to be gender sexist. And the 60-minute guy joked with him, you don't like being in the limelight? And then here's little Steven flashing this and go, yeah, I've given up trying to figure that out a long time ago. <clears throat> so is that you're saying similar to your feelings? I would say so. I'm also like my interests are pretty broad and I like my soul and my brain tickled in like many ways. And I think if you're doing the, the like the artist thing, yeah. you very much have to focus on that and maybe everything else is going to take a backseat. I'm also not the greatest singer, which probably helped maybe subconsciously <laughs> okay. put, put me in that on that lane. But no, I can relate to it. I like being in the background. I, I like creating. And creators are usually more in the background, I think. Even if their name's on it, I'm in the recording studio or I'm here writing something. Or Yeah. That's what I love. And that's usually me by myself or me with a buddy or me with a group of musicians in the recording studio. So let's talk a little bit, share a little bit, and let's brag a little bit about some of the projects you've been on. So tell some stories behind that. Brag a little bit about some of the things you're really proud about. I got to make quite a few records that still like the same musicians, basically. I played on some of my favorite records in the 60s and 70s. There are people that most casual listeners might not know, but there's a, a chance that everybody's heard the songs because... Mm -hmm because they played on the songs or they wrote the songs that are yeah. part of the classic rock or classic American songbook by now. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm most proud of. There's, I could say, yeah, I did this life record with Jason Isbell <laughs> and that might ring, ring more, but for me, it's playing with 80 year old guys and ladies. <laughs> yeah. That's where the jam is for me, for sure. Yeah. So I, I get, I am a recent Jason Isbell fanatic. He has not passed Bruce in my mind, but he is someone that I just recently, I knew him. I had bought the Nashville Sound and I had bought reunions, but I saw him live for the first time this year. And because I knew he was coming up, I just did nothing but immerse myself in his music and have been like, wow, this guy's pretty good. So talk a little bit about you've worked with Jason, and then we'll go back to some of the other people, but I'm going to, I'm going to feed my fanboy for a little bit. All right. I think Jason 
he's a super hardworking guy. And probably yeah. that's maybe what relates him to Bruce almost the most because he's yeah. obsessed with his craft and he works all the time. He tours all the time. He's also like Bruce, like in the beginning, he was oblivious to what's going, what's surrounding him. And then he became really involved with like social issues and started opening his eyes and, and his music related to the present. Um, I don't know him super well. The project that I did with him didn't even meant to be a record but it was actually a show that I produced with Shimbo Hart and Jack Gamble as his rhythm section down in Florence Alabama where mm -hmm. Jason wanted to do a show where he performed with all of his heroes which are the same heroes that I just mentioned yeah and and so I helped put that show together for him and then during the pandemic they're like the recording so much that <clears throat> it became a, a live record and that is the what's the name of it it's called live at or live from shows theater ah yes it's i think it came out in summer 2020 probably it was recorded in 19 mm -hmm. and it's on Bandcamp. i know I've seen in the, I've seen a vinyl of it too. I don't even have one in my collection. But oh wow! <laughs> so you talk about is the reason you came when you moved from Switzerland to Nashville and there Mulsa Shoals is that the reason why this love of music is when you moved is the reason why you moved to that area? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, Mulsa Shoals is only a two-hour drive from Nashville. Okay. I actually never lived in Muscle Shows, but I'm a resident at the studio there, as I am in Nashville. Okay. And I have a place to stay, and it's an easy commute. And But Nashville has more of the, like, the live music scene and even more of a creative community. So it's always made the most sense for me to actually be based in Nashville. But still, my musical identity is much more connected with Muscle Shoals. And even if I make records in Nashville, it has some of that bluesy, R&B roots thing to it. It's not like yeah. a, a modern country thing at all. Yeah, so you mentioned that, thank you for sharing me a little bit about Jason. Like I just saw live at Shoals Theater. It's available on Amazon. I'll include the link on that. Talk about some of the your heroes that you've been able to spend time with, that you've been able to work. I know that Bruce talked, and Lil Steven talked about being able to work with Sam Moore, Darlene Love, Gary U.S. Bonds, others. So are there, talk to me a little bit about people you've worked with that have, you're just going, I can't believe that I've had the chance to work with them. Tell me some yeah. stories about that. You mentioned like the, the classic R&B singers. So I, I got to work with Sam Moore and Eddie Floyd and Clarence Carter and wow. Betty LeVette and, and Candy Staten and, and people like that, like on the artist side. But then also the songwriters of some of those songs, Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham and Donnie Fritz and George Jackson, who wrote Old Time Rock and Roll and Dan Penn and Spooner did a dark end of the street. I think Bruce did that live a couple times too. That that's it for me. Listen, who are these people? Nobody really knows. 
but the people in the know, they do know and they do care. And the, the casual listeners know the classic songs. Little Steven talks about that in his book, that there wasn't an oldie circuit back then. That it was just when all of a sudden now then when new music comes in and he's done a lot to keep that that roots, that Ameri- that American blues and rock and roll and rhythm and blues and soul a lot. Um, so is there a couple people or more than that that you haven't got to work with that you still is on your wish list, Andreas? Some of them are gone. Sadly, yes. There are a few. I would love to work with Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers. Oh, yeah. that Uh, I could see that. Yeah. Through the Muscle Shoals thing, I've got to be around her. I never got to to work with her. So that's a bucket list thing. I would love to make a record with Gary U.S. Bonds, too. And actually Southside Johnny, for that matter, because to me it's like would almost be a little bit of a full circle thing. And uh, I would love to see that happen. It actually almost happened. It's funny. Tell Not me about it. Too long after I moved to Nashville, I got to meet Gary Tallon through a mutual friend of mine. His name's Kevin McKendries. He's a great piano player. He worked on some of Gary's projects that Gary produced. And uh, Kevin played him some of the tracks that I did with the Muscle Shoals horns. And uh, he played him for John. And he wanted to make... We used those tracks and basically turn them into Southside Johnny record. And that mm. never happened. I don't know why. Or Johnny broke, hey, I want to do my own stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's a good story. It tickled my soul for a minute. And uh, Gary's a sweet guy. He wouldn't just say that, I don't think. No. Yeah. So. I really enjoyed his two solo albums. Yeah. Um, Kevin's on that, at least certainly on the first one. Yeah. That's cool. That's got to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we were talking about going down rabbit holes. Sure. Gary produced a Southside Johnny record called Messing with the Blues. And there's a song on there I love called Tell Him I'm, Tell Him I'm Broke, <laughs> which okay. is like an old R&B song. But then I also got all the records that Gary produced throughout Nashville. And then that's Delevantes and Steve Forbert. He did a lot of records for a while. And uh, he doesn't really do that anymore. Although he did another Delavantes record a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always liked that stuff where he was involved. And, and then he also had a band in Nashville called The Long Players. And The Long Players was not a recording band, but they chose one record, one classic record, let's say a Rolling Stones record like Sticky Fingers. And then they will perform the whole Sticky Fingers record one night with different singers singing it and uh, I used to go out and see them and then he moved to Montana I think for a while then I lost touch but then he he moved back uh, to Nashville maybe five years ago or something like that yeah do you I do think it is amazing the talent in the E Street Band I'm a fanboy but do you think about Gary just the solid bass player that just is consistently there and then you think about all the work he's done producing and working there that is a a really a really strong lineup isn't it yeah the other thing is too I'm not sure if I heard Gary play better than on this recent tour 
Oh, tell he might me have had something that. to do with the mix that he was maybe a little more prominent in the mix, so he could really hear a lot of what he was doing. But I thought he sounded so good on this current tour that I was like, oh man, I knew he was great, but I, I think he was really stellar on this tour. So I take you did get to see uh, a show from this tour? Yes, I've seen one show of this tour. Which uh, show did you go to? Zurich, Switzerland, sometime in July, I believe. Ah, so July. you went back home and saw him there? Yeah, I'm actually in Switzerland now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, during the pandemic, we started renting an apartment here and um, not spent, still, my creative base is all Nashville, but uh, but yeah, it's two in the morning. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I just I, I would have changed the time. That's so no, sweet you don't for you. You don't have to because I'm on American time. I'm okay. like after Thanksgiving, I'll be back again, and then everything work related is a little shifted, so it overlaps more with Tennessee time. What's funny, Andreas, is I in a previous job we worked with a company that was based in the Philippines, Manila. And I would spend time in there and it was very weird. You'd get up at eight o'clock at night, but you'd go to work at two in the morning. You'd go to lunch and get off at six or seven in the morning, go home and go to sleep. And yeah, that is interesting. How much time do you split between Switzerland and the U.S.? I, it depends a little bit. I think probably... The goal would be to almost spend a little more time in Switzerland when, okay. like the, when I'm like just working by myself, which yeah. I, I can do from anywhere. But then all the projects that require collaboration, I will be in the U.S. So it's basically, it depends on the work, how mm -hmm. I'm about to make a record like in a couple of weeks. So obviously I have to be there and then it's hard to tell. It's professionally, I'm all there really, even when I'm here. Yeah. But the rest is, is nice here in Switzerland, too. It's also good balance. That's nice. What kind of record are you going to work on? So the next record I'm going to make is with a guy, with a blues guy. His name is Doug McLeod. He's been the tradition of the old Delta blues people, okay. where he goes out and usually performs by himself. That's the next one I'm doing. And then uh, there's one I'm doing with, friend of mine his name is mark normal he's a really successful songwriter but as an artist he's, he's not so well known yeah and i'm gonna play a couple shows with uh, this guy his name is jerry phillips his, his father was sam phillips who had some records he discovered yeah, sure. elvis and jerry lee lewis and carl perkins and johnny cash so i'll do that in memphis and yeah yeah so let's talk about the podcast. Tell me a little bit. You in your in your bio, you said I. It's not a consistent thing, but it is something you love to do. So tell me a little bit about the podcast. Like I love talking to you, and it's usually like my musician friends are my podcast guests, and the format is fairly similar in a way where it's a long form conversation where I just try to uncover as as much as I can with retracing somebody's life in music i think i have about 50 episodes and i have probably taped another 30 that i that will i'll start putting out after christmas again because okay. unlike anybody everybody else started their podcast during the pandemic i like did it up to the pandemic and then i 
life got in the way. And I, but I have all these interviews recorded and I just need to edit them together. And sometimes that's a little hard. The, the interview part, you, you prepare for it and then you spend an hour or two, but then you have to edit it and that I do that all by myself. So sometimes that's hard for me when I'm super busy. Yeah, I, I'm a one-man band as well. I, I have, I have my booking calendar, then I have an Excel spreadsheet that says, okay, I've talked to Andreas, check, but have I edited it? And when am I going to publish it? And then you've got to edit it. And you, I try not to do too many edits because I like the freedom of a conversation back and forth. Every once in a while, you need to, right? There's something like, this is not needed in our conversation. So I'll probably try to cut that out. But yeah, it is. The fun part is the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, mm-hmm. and the fun part is having people hear it. But sometimes the editing can be, okay, I've got to do that. I've got to make sure that happens. Yeah, you got to upload it, tag, all that kind of stuff, which is not a, not a soul tickling, but uh, it's, yeah. it's got to be done. But my biggest struggle is I'm really bad at writing. I think I'm a pretty good interviewer, but I'm bad at writing the summary. Some people are really good at writing a, we, Andreas and I had a great conversation. We talked about growing up in Switzerland. We talked about how Johnny's, Southside Johnny's Better Days led to Bruce. And when it's time for me, we had a good conversation. Please listen. <laughs> Just, I don't yeah, sell it at all. That's what I do. Too. It's like, hey, if the people are interested, they're going to listen. I'm not sure if a good summary, I might tip another 1% of people to it. But I feel like when I, I listen to podcasts and I've listened to quite a few of your episodes, especially when you had a, a guest that was like, that rang a bell with me. That's okay. usually, and, but it's, and then you have yours, like on, I, I listen on Apple podcasts. So it's right. like I put a check mark on yours or, or the, the plus. So yeah. I see whenever there's a new one coming out and that's how I consume. Do you have any particular favorite podcast that you listen to? So I don't know if you've checked out Andrew Hickey's The History of Rock and Roll and 500 Songs. No, I have not. Okay, so this guy is amazing. He is from the UK and he is, his goal is to tell the history of rock and roll in 500 songs. And so the last episode he had is Another Piece of My Heart by yeah. Janis Joplin. And so it's a two-hour episode yeah, of that him. Was Carolyn Franklin even before who was Aretha's sister. Yes, and so that's what Written he by goes. by Cherry Ragavoy. Sorry. I... <laughs> no, exactly. And so he does this story. And then if you're in his Patreon group, he does an amazing, and this was somebody I had never heard of, and you will, you'll know who this person is. Let me look it up. Because I was like, how did I not know this person existed? Hold on. Here we go. Yeah, he did a bonus episode of Laura Nero, N-Y-R-O. Never had heard of her. And so I'm like, who's she? And I started listening to it. I'm like, holy crap, the song she wrote. Yeah, you You heard some of those songs for sure. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. There's also the connective Springsteen connection, just minor. Jimmy Vivino used to be her band leader in the 80s. And Jimmy's connection with 
Bruce and Southside yeah. and Max. And so it's all connected, isn't it funny? It, it really is that this how, and like I was amazed a few years ago when Ken Burns did that country music documentary yeah. that talked about how Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family and how everything came from that. Just that influenced Johnny Cash, who influenced this and this. And it just that I'm fascinated. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why you love working with these legends that people may not know, but they should know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would always say, yeah, they should know. I'm glad if they know the music. The yeah. music speaks for itself. But I, I would encourage anyone to just dig a little deeper when there's something they love. Hey, where did this come from funny enough you mentioned the 60 minutes interview with stevie van sant too yeah. and they talked about his tea truck initiative where he where they tried to get get music back into the the school curriculums through a back door where you start at a point where the kids are familiar with you may be a current singer and then you have them retraced their history so that's i think a lot of people could benefit from it yeah, I, I love his statement. We're the only country that doesn't think art thinks arts is a luxury. And I love that where he says, Oh, you like Beyonce? All right, that's Aretha Franklin. And you know who Aretha Franklin is? Yeah. <laughs> that led to that. That's all right. Do you have a do you do you need do you have a do you need to take a minute? Okay. <laughs> Give me more. That might be a good editor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey there. Somebody just woke up. <laughs> hey, I'm oh, just no. gonna, I'm just gonna bring it to mama and I'll okay. be right back. Just all right, no problem. <laughs> Sorry about that. He's a no, little chat that's like awesome. Still. <laughs> that's awesome. Dad, dad. That's great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, it would be wonderful to see that and, and to, and I think the really great ones like Jason Isbell, Little Steven, Bruce Springsteen, others acknowledge the roots. They're standing on the foundation built by other musicians. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is too, it's like a river. It started a long time ago and then Bruce is like one of the main, like connecting, like links in the chain that yeah. both, if you look at the River album, for example, there's almost all styles, almost all that he does. And then there's like the Wild Innocent and the Eastry Shuffle, which is almost like an R&B record, if you think about it. With yeah. a lot of horns and that funky rhythm section that he had at that point. Yeah. it's And then you, you have to chase the Isbells who like love darkness and yet to town in Nebraska and they take that further or and that's interesting to me too and it's, I look at it as like this river or this continuum that's flowing from and I just also in the beginning of I was on the receiving end and now I'm like both and eventually I will just be the, the one that will have to pass on some of it. Yeah I, I love that I think that is a wonderful I love that image, right? That it keeps it keeps flowing and it keeps changing. And and it you keep finding 
people rediscover musicians and discover, oh, wow, this is amazing. And it, it is our history. It is our, this is the reason I do this podcast is that music is the soundtrack of our lives. It helps us with mourning. It helps us with celebrations. It helps us with births and deaths. And it's just so important to us. Yeah, I agree. And Springsteen too, so much that he had to put out the, an R&B cover record just recently, which I doubt it's like essential in his discography. But it's just almost a fluke in it. But in turns, they'll probably turn a lot of people on to some of those records. Sam Moore sings on it. Yeah. And, and so there's a merit in that, even if it's not no born to run or no letter. I love letter to you. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, Talk but, to uh, me a little bit that why I agree with you. Letter to you spoke to me so strong. I was just, it, because it was the end of the, it was, we had been on the pandemic, everything that was going on, that album just spoke to me. And I lost my father, my brother in February of this year. And the next night I was at a Bruce show. And when he said, I'll see you in my dreams, I was just crying. So well, yeah, talk to me. thank you, sir. Talk to me a little about letter to you. Well, timing was something too. It's I think for all of us, him embracing mortality as a major theme resonated with me too for different reasons. But for me, it's also the way I feel the E Street Band needs to be recorded, which is put them in a room and make those tracks. And on some of the other more recent records, some of that immediacy and some of that life aspect was a little bit covered up or missing. And I felt that record was the band record. I, he should have really put Bruce Springsteen V Street Band even on it. I, I know yeah. he doesn't really do that with the studio records, but to me, it's a celebration of the band and of their history as much as anything else. And that's what really resonates with me, I think. Yeah, in fact, I feel the same way. The story supposedly is that and I don't know who it was, if it was Gary or Roy or someone said, hey, let's not play Beat the Demo. Bruce would do a demo and then they'd come into the studio and he would like, okay, we've got to play better than this demo. I love that documentary that's on Apple TV where he's just playing the song on his guitar yeah. and they've all got pads writing down. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? It's yeah, just... Yeah. They knocked it out in just a few days. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's it. I'm sorry, Adina. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> that's something like producing records too. Unless I need to the musicians to do something super specific. I don't like to play in full production demos either because you work with those musicians because they're better at what they do than what you can make them do. And you hire those musicians, in my case. And in his case, he's been surrounding himself with this band because of who they are, what they contribute. And I think you sometimes might actually diminish what they can do if you steer them in a certain direction, even if it's a good direction. But with what they what Gary comes up with or Max or is probably better than Bruce can even imagine. And if he plays in the full demo, 
they're going to listen to that demo and they're going to be boxed in that whatever they hear. So I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I think either subconsciously you're influenced. Yes. Versus just knowing, just hearing the bare bones of the song on a guitar and then you going, okay, oh, I can do something a little bit this. And that's why I love the film where you're talking about, you know, I wanted a little bit like this. I love that creative process. I am curious. So Andreas, if you explain to me and like how you would talk about the difference between engineering and producing. I think engineering is the technical, like capturing and then later mixing and maybe mastering part. So it would mean putting up the microphones and then recording the sound and then mix. That's basically the engineering part. And sometimes this overlaps, but the producer is almost more like a movie director, which is the, the, the guy overseeing the whole process from beginning to end. And it's like the main sounding board or mirror to the artist. I guess for Bruce, that's Ron Yellow at the moment. Yeah. And it's that, that the main partner that kind of guides the artists or that they walk together through the whole process. And in my case, we usually, sometimes I write some of the stuff. Sometimes I certainly always have a hand in arranging it. But I, I stopped engineering. I still do a little bit here and there, but I that's I work with two engineers. They're super great, first of all, better than I would be and faster. And also it freed me up. It's the editing of the podcast in a way. It's if I can delegate some of those, that workload to my friends, then yeah. I can already think about the next step or the next project. And, it, and that way I can... Otherwise, it will take me much longer or much more time to make a record. Yeah. And now I can be more flexible, I guess. Okay. So Did that make any sense to that you? That made a lot of sense. That really did. That was a really good explanation. Is there anything I should have asked you, Andreas, that I haven't? Not, you know what? We were, didn't really talk about this, my, my, some of my favorite Springsteen stuff, funny Please, enough. Please, let's do because it. Because we just rambled. Hey, and I, I'll just throw a little curveball your way. My favorite song is, it's not my favorite song, but a, a, a song that really always tickled my soul is a song called Without You that came out on the Blood Brothers EP. And it's just a fun little jam that I just love. And I wish you were saying, hey, what should you play live? I'm like, hey, I'm going to put my banner up for Without You. <laughs> I love that song. I agree. I I will send you a link. There is a band from Denton, Texas called Brave Combo that they do rock and roll polka and they have another song. They do a song where they go through every day of the week. You're doing something different. So that always reminds me. I love that song. I absolutely agree. I would lose my S if he played that live. I would just be going crazy. Yes, I love that. I'll go even deeper for you. And the the missed opportunity for me is a song called Unsatisfied Heart, which was recorded during the Born in the USA sessions. And it's not, there's a couple like demos out that are really not very good. And I wish he would take that song 
and rework it. I think it's a great idea and it's a super title, Unsatisfied Heart. I just love. Yeah. And I wish you would revisit that idea and flesh it out, make a real song out of it. And uh, I could mention some of my other favorite songs, but that's probably some of the same songs everybody else would mention. So yeah. I thought I'll mention a couple that maybe not so many people. No, those are <laughs> great. I love that. The other thing I wanted to hear is Ain't Good Enough. That was from the box set where he talks about Jimmy Iovine and everything. Yeah. That Yeah, I love that song. A similar tone to that without you. Yeah, I love that little video of them all in a circle that's yeah. playing after the credits. And yeah. it's just, oh, I agree. It is so fun. That is great. Yeah, and it's a shame because that song and a couple other songs that were on that little disc that came with the VHS yeah. of it, it didn't even come with the DVD of it. It's, hey, come on, put it somewhere. Put it on a collection yes. somewhere so some more people can hear it. Yeah, I, I would love that. It, his, his catalog is so vast. Right. Like one of the things I ask is, and I'll ask you the same thing you've answered, but are there songs you still want to hear live besides without you? Yeah, I always love to hear some of those earlier longs, like Thundercrack. Yes, I've never heard Thundercrack either. I would yeah, love I would, that. I would do Thundercrack. He has Kitties back and he has some of those the wild, the innocent yeah. tracks. Wild Bill is Circus. There's there's a few. Seaside Bar song I will probably take. I thought that yeah. would be a good live song. I'm sure there's a few covers I wouldn't turn down. But I'm like not picky. When I go to see a show, I just I want to shut off my mind. And, and I feel if you're like thinking too hard about what it should be, then you might miss on what it is, miss out on what it is a little bit. And that's not what it is. But talking about this current tour, and I know some people have some issues with it. I think it's probably the best crafted show, but the least improvised show. And if you yes. like improvisation, you might not quite get what you want. But talking about the tour, too, I want to shout, give a big shout out to my good friend Ada Dyer, who's killing it every night on that tour. Okay. She's one of the singers. She just joined the band for this tour. Yeah. She's uh, she's awesome. I work with her in the studio and I just want to make sure to mention her name because she's a beautiful soul. And I don't think the Springsteen people know her that much yet. I'm so glad she's on this tour and it's a really great gig for her. And it's also great to have some people, you know, seeing up there, you know, in, in one of the greatest tours, you know, if, of all time. If you're comfortable, I would love an introduction and have her join me. I'll be happy yeah. to do that. I don't know, you know, how she's a pretty private person. Yeah, I, I absolutely said, understand. So, but I'll be happy to mention it to yeah. her on some of my other E Street, E Street, extended E Street camp. If that's something you want, I can't. Yes, I can't anyone that you think would be a great guest, I'd love to have them. And you could just tell her that it'll be very low key and that, that'd be fun. I'd love to hear it. I think this band is so strong. And there, and when we did the New River tour, we had the core E Street band was great, but I love the E Street Orchestra. When the E Street band on steroids, as someone says, I love all the horns. I love the backup singers. I love all the percussion. Just, and I agree with you. If you just had told someone randomly this was going to be the set list, 
you would go, wow, he's covering almost everything. Now, I realize people, a few people were unhappy that there was an improvisation and it was, they didn't change much. But I just think it's been a great tour. I, I'm looking forward to next year. It for me too, I don't go to nine shows on each right. tour. I go to maybe two. It's, I'm not like the one, oh no, now it's 80% or 90% the same thing. Yeah. So I get it if you like follow it because you're into the rarities sure. that you don't get that. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. Yeah. I, I think we are, even the ones that are like, like little, not so happy. It's on a super high level, not being happy. Yes, exactly. You still right. get three hours of the best rock and roll show. Yeah. So it's like also maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe As they say, first world good. problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Andreas, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? I'm pretty reachable. I think my website is crazychesterrecords.com. Instagram at crazychesterrecords. That's like okay. my production company. Okay. So it's not me, but I mean, if, if somebody like really wants to get in touch with me, I'll find out. And if somebody just wants to check out a little bit about what I do, it's probably a good place to start. Okay. All right. So Andreas, before, this has been so much fun. I have loved visiting with you. I feel like we could talk another hour. Maybe um, gotta do another one sometime. Yes, we will. I will do that. I am absolutely going to have you back on. So before I let you go, though, I have to ask you the Mary question. So if you are a fan of Andreas's work and your her podcast and you're checking out this episode, thank you so much. I end every episode with this question. Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher, now retired, but when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road. And he would ask them to read it. They would discuss it. They would talk about the themes, the imagery that the lyrics Bruce used. And then he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So Andreas, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? My answer is a resounding yes, and I'll tell you why. Please well, do. First of, first of all, I'm an eternal optimist and hope, hopeless romantic maybe a little bit too cover booth <laughs> but also like i look at the song as the beginning of a story rather than the end of the story and if you look at a song as such it, it's ob ob obviously yes i love that answer that is a great answer andreas thank you so much for your time thank you for staying up in the middle of the night to visit with me i think this was a blast and i absolutely am going to want to have you back in we will do this again uh, and I hope everyone goes check out the website. Good luck on your upcoming projects, and this will be fun. Listeners, go please check them out. Tell them Set Lessing Bruce sent you. I want everyone to be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Hello, and welcome to a new year. And as we start 2024, I want to take a moment to thank all the wonderful people that are part of my Patreon group. I want to thank Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Van Ebers, Jeff Ulmer, Kimby Wiggins, Sylvan Groth, Yetta, Liz Brunson, Fernando Lozano, Steve Vansack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Crystal Carroll, 
Alex Godward, Alex Samalti, Betsy Hodges, Stephen Malio, Liz Brunson, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Chris Bloom, Anna Lynn, Terry Smith, and of course, Mary Thomas. Thank you guys for kicking in a little bit of cash every month to help support the podcast. You are appreciated. And if you are interested in getting a shout out during at least one episode a month and seeing unedited videos of every discussion, go to patrons.com, search for Set Lusting Bruce. And for as little a dollar a month, you can support the podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get unedited videos. And now, on to the show. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. Fantasy Points.